Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio. If you want to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.NewDestinyChristianCenter.com. Thank you, Jesus. We can never exhaust our praise, amen? He is so worthy, 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 worthy of our praise, our honor, everything that he does is to be applauded. He does all things well. So he does all things well. Even when he created me. Say that a little stronger. Even when he created me. He created me. I said, rest and he said, it's good. It is good. So if the devil's telling you you're no good, he's a liar. In fact, if he's talking, he's what? Lying. Lying. Amen. I'm just uh, so grateful for what God is doing. Revival is here. Revival is here. And if you're like, I don't know what's going on, just stay around. You know, when, when we were little kids, my dad would say, don't play by the riverbank because you're going to fall in. Well, what do you think happened a few times? My brother and I, who were always on these adventures, we would always fall in. So you know what? Just keep playing around the presence of God, the spirit of God, not religion. See, God is a person. He has displayed himself, shown himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're a person, and they all want to be in relationship with you. Does that sound confusing? No more than an egg. An egg has a shell, it has a yolk, it has a white, all right? It's the same thing. God, he has chosen, of course we know that he's God, but he has chosen to show himself in three parts. Just like he created you and I in three parts. We are a spirit, and if your spirit isn't born again in here tonight, that your sins are forgiven, that you have eternal life, we will help you. It's what we love to do. But we are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in this body. And I believe that when the sound of revival and God starts doing something, that we must with our whole being, our whole being, say my whole being, everything that I am, we must give to him in service. I mean, why can praise and worship just erupt like that? It's because you're in relationship with a person. What is going on in praise and worship is what I call first love. First love anointing is returning. Many of you are in a personal revival. Some of you are continuing on in your fast and, and, you're, and you're seeking him. Why? Because God is doing something. God is doing something. It's a new thing. And it's not just a little fad. And I'm going to try my best, my utmost tonight to communicate with you what keeps this thing going because I am not interested in fits and starts. I am interested in going ahead and exploiting the breakthrough and allowing there to be holy, holy momentum from heaven that it's not just an experience, but it is something that transpires over into a movement in Jesus' name. I'm not one of these people that just want to try the water and put my foot in. I want it all. 
I don't want to just come to church and say, well, that's what happens on Sunday. No, I want what happens on Sunday to follow me home and to begin to permeate my house and begin to live and dwell because God does not want a visitation. He wants a habitation. And NDCC, he has visited us over and over and over throughout the years. But I believe this time he's found a people that said, right here, make me your address. Make me your holy habitation. Live right here in me while you're cleaning me up. Live right here in me well I'm not perfect uh, live right here in me as you're working through me uh, and I am going to allow you to do whatever it is you need to do in me because I'm your address he desires to make his home within us amen we'll see how this goes tonight <laughs> which by the way if you got anything in your house that you're bound by we need to have an axe bonfire We'll get into that a little, little later, but if the Holy Spirit, while I'm speaking tonight, says, hey, you know that thing? You know those movies? You know those apps on your phone? Whatever it is. Why? Because God wants a move of revival, and he moves through people, and he moves through clean people. Amen? And I don't know about you, but there's something about when you get a Holy Ghost bath. When you're clean, when your conscience gets clean and it's cleared and the devil can no longer accuse you before the throne of God because you know, yeah, I did it, but guess what? I'm forgiven. I'm saved. I have eternal life. I have the Holy One that lives on the inside of me. A couple days ago, um, Carlos had sent me an article and I uh, will just real quick give you a quick synopsis of it. But it was about um, Hybels and Willow Creek Church. If you know anything about church growth or the church world, and many of you don't, count it a blessing. Uh, but basically, they've been a dominant influence in the evangelical church for about the last 30 years. And in short, what they believe for discipleship and how to make discipleships uh, was more of participation. So they're very pro uh, program-oriented, and they would have a program uh, for everything from the babies in the nursery all the way till you're ready to go to the uh, heaven in the old age. They had everything, and they had a ton of participation. In many, many churches, they followed the model. Now, let me just say right here, the model for revival is to get on your face and to fast and to pray to see what God wants to do in your region. We, because we are not after a, prog uh, a programmatic move, but we are about power, and we want to see a demonstration of the Spirit's power because we must have the power to answer what's going out on in the world. Amen? When people are bound and when they're, they're, they're so addicted or they're bound by an ideology that, that leans toward antichrist or, or even the lawlessness that abounds, you and I, as the children of God that have the divine spirit of God on the inside of us, we must begin to rise up with boldness and say, no, it doesn't have to be that way. You do not have to be bound. You do not have to lose your eternal soul. We have the power of God, and there's a demonstration of the power. Let me pray for you right now. Let me give you the answer right now. Right now the world is looking and craving for the answer and the church has got to come out from the corners and no longer cower but stand up with Holy Ghost boldness and step out and cooperate with the Holy Spirit to have a demonstration of the Spirit's power people are, are, are looking for answers they're desperate for answers and the way that we get them the answers is when you and I continue to facilitate that first love anointing 
We know that in Revelation, it says that I have this one thing against you. They had many good works, but, the, but Jesus said, I have this one thing against you. You lost, you left your first love. When Hadassah was singing and she just, and the anointing came and she began to declare the name of Jesus, declare the name of Jesus. See, I know her story. I know why she can praise with everything passionate on the inside of her. She was born into Islam. All kinds of horrible things had happened to her life. Every abuse you could imagine. And yet Jesus came down and reached her. He saved her, healed her from cancer, has done miracle after miracle in her life. And when you encounter Jesus that way, you can, from the top of your lungs, may not sound as good as her, that's okay, I don't either. But I still got a shout of, Jesus, on the inside of me, do you. Because unless you are convinced yourself, you will never partner with the Holy Spirit and say, let me show you the demonstration of the Spirit's power. If a demonic thing has you bound, I believe in the name of Jesus that I can pray for you and those chains will break. I believe that if you are not saved, that you can believe in your heart and confess that Jesus is Lord. And you can be saved in a moment. And what that means is all your sins are forgiven. You were born a sinner. I was born a sinner. But Jesus came with a great interception to save us. Not only to save us, because his idea isn't let me save you and then go to church on Sunday and go to church on Wednesday. Oh, my word. He's praying like gag maggot. That's not his idea. His idea is that we're born again and that we are the church in our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And when we come together on Sunday, when we come together on Wednesday, we are filled back up because we receive his presence and we go out and we spill it out everywhere. Unapologetically and unashamed, but we do it with power. If you serve a dead Jesus, if you're serving a God that you don't even bother to carve out a little bit of time in the day, and I'm not trying to bring any kind of condemnation upon you, but I'm saying you've got to begin to carve some time out for God and get to know him for yourself and ask him, where is Jesus? Where's that shout of Jesus on the inside of me where I am loyal to Jesus? There is no other name in my life. There is no other thing but the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is the crowning glory on the inside. What would happen in this place if it wasn't just a few people, but all of a sudden everybody began to realize that the Holy Spirit wants to partner with them to do something significant, to do something eternal in this place. We would shake this whole area upside down and it would have a, an effect that is a ripple effect of his glory that would go and go to very dark places. Why? Because once you see the Spirit of God begin to move, faith rises on the inside of you and you understand nothing is impossible for him. We do not have to lose this generation to confusion and where their identity is so messed up they don't even know what they are. But we can with boldness say, God created you in his image and he's got a plan and he's got a purpose and he wants to heal you and deliver you and give you his God purpose so you know your identity is in Christ. You don't have to be confused and torn apart. Your life destroyed because the devil comes, according to John 10.10. 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I'm telling you that your life doesn't have to be destroyed. Your sexuality does not have to be destroyed. Your appetites do not have to drive your life. I'm telling you that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come to give you life and that more abundantly. I'm not talking about the kind of life where you have to have oxygen mask on you. 
but I'm talking about life that when you breathe in and you breathe out that you inhale and you exhale the very life of God that wherever you're around whatever's dead it begins to come to life because resurrection power lives and dwells on the inside of you when you are filled with Jesus and you've spent time with him, you look at a situation and all of a sudden the faith of God rises up on the inside of you and you realize it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. It does not have to be religious in this area. It doesn't have to be filled with a smugness that says, I know just enough. When you know just enough and you think you got it, you're just miserable. Oh yeah, I know Jesus. Do you know him? Do you recognize him? Because there's depths to him. There's so much to God. There's depths. There's heights. There is width. There is length. There is so much to God. You will never exhaust him. You can chase him every day of your life. You're never going to catch him. He loves the pursuit. He's going to bless you along the way because he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I believe that God is going to move, that he is moving. He is doing a new thing. People are contacting me all the time, and they're like, gosh, pastor, I don't know what's going on. I can't get enough of God. It's like, because you're hungry. You're thirsty. And why is it happening around this time? The majority of us fasted 21 days. Some went 30. Some finished their 40th tomorrow because we're a people that we are sick of religion and we want relationship. We, if we have to be the prototype, if we have to be the pattern and say, I'm a man or I'm a woman that walks with God, this is what it looks like. Let us make them thirsty. Just as God used the Jews, the Hebrew children, days of old, to make the nations of the earth around them jealous, to provoke them to live for God. May we in DCC be a people of revival that we would provoke people around us to jealousy. I got to know the God that you know. I want to know him like you know him. I don't want a religious experience, but I want him to consume me. I want him to live in my home. I want him to touch my children. I want his hand upon me. I want miracles. I want the gifts. I want the life of God flowing out of me. Getting back to this article. <laughs> That's why you read it. provokes thought. So they have spent, multiplied, probably 100 million, easy without exaggeration. They even say that in the article. They've spent tens of millions of dollars. And it's not a criticism of them because they come out and they say, we were wrong. And I sit there and I think, when I was 22 years old, they started all this. So for 30 years, and all these churches followed the model. See, when you leave here and you go try to find a church like this, you're not going to find it. Why? There's not a model. It's an organic move of God that started a long time ago on our knees, but that started with 12 people. That's counting two babies in a living room. But the promise of God, a prophetic promise of God that looked nothing like it could happen. But God said. So they basically come out and they say we were wrong. We thought that the way to, to make disciples was through participation in all the programs. And they charted it and they did their due diligence. And basically what they said is they realized you don't make disciples through participation when people come to church. But they boiled it down to three basic things. And pastor refers to these. Sometimes you'll hear him. He'll say the boring basics. But what I'm telling you is when you know Jesus, there's nothing boring about it. 
So they boiled it down to how do you really make disciples, and it was, they should have probably taught people about the word more and to get into the word and to read the word. You know that you'll be so confused about morality if you listen to the world? But if you go and you listen to the word of God and you read the word of God, you'll understand that there's biblical morality and not anything goes. You know, if you're going to make disciples and you, and you get them in the word of God, you begin to realize you're not going to read this very long and something's going to hit you upside the head. And you're like, hmm. I didn't know that was in here. And when you read something that you don't like, or, am I the only one that has read something in here that, you, that I didn't like? Me and Mary Beth. No wonder we pray a lot. <laughs> I see all those honest hands. I appreciate that, Xander. And so when we come across something in here we don't like, does this change? Even if Congress passed a law or a president signed something in? This doesn't change? So who has to change? We got to change. And oh, Jesus, change me every day. That is my heart's cry. So they said the word, getting people in the word. The other one was, wait for it. You may not have heard this before. Prayer. Imagine that. And I'm just drawing a correlation here. Like I said, I honor that they said we were wrong. You know, Luke 18.1 says men ought always to pray. Now, I will tell you one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life, and I've got to see some really cool things. People that say living for Jesus is uh, boring. Um, you don't know what you're talking about. I've been on uh, all but two continents. Well, three, because I'm Antarctica. I mean, that's pretty cold. And you've got to pretty much be a specialist or be invited there. But I've got, gone all over the world. I've seen powerful, powerful things. God has done a, a wonderful, wonderful work. But when I went to Israel the first time, I've gone twice, we went to the Western Wall. And there are women there, and there's all these you know, things that you have to do, and, and they'll tell you that the presence of God is so strong in that wall that nobody turns their back. They all walk backwards, about 20, 25 feet or so, and then they turn around. And I was sitting there, and I was observing, and I was watching. And there were, like, all these women. And the first time I was there, I was with Lisa, and um, Angel went with us. And because everybody knew Lisa was my daughter, they assumed because she's Puerto Rican, Dominican, that Angel was my husband. So that was fun, explaining that to the, the tour group. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's my friend. He goes to my church. And so Angel's over there. Imagine Angel in a yarmulke. <laughs> Snug fit. Lisa and I are over there, and the women, there was just, it was about 15 people deep. She goes, what are we going to do? I go, oh, you don't have to worry about this. Just stay on my hip. I'm going to get right in there. And she said, there are all these people. I said, I don't care. The presence of God's there. And so she did. She held on. And before you know it, we are at the wall. And instantly, it's like, it was like a domino effect from left to right. And then it would come back like waves. People were welling and praying. Well, women were welling and praying. Of course, you have your head covered. 
and the glory of God was like so unbelievably amazing. They believe that on the other side of that is where the uh, Holy of Holies was at the original temple, uh, and that's on the other side. I mean, without getting involved in all the p politics, amen, Jesus is going to write it when he comes anyway, so we're all good. But the power and the presence of God, and I sat there and I wept and I wailed and I, you know, called out uh, many of you in the church that were here at the time, and, and even my son. I mean, I was just praying for anything and everything because the presence of God was so strong and I was a mess and I didn't have enough tissue I'm like one of those at least a half box groaning in the spirit kind of people <laughs> and then I back up you literally you, you just there's a presence a tangible presence when you think about the physicality of God that he was there it just blows your mind and so I'm over here and so I go over to the men now you haven't seen a prayer meeting until you're at the western wall and I will say, other than two times, and I'm telling you what I've experienced, this is only two times in my life that this has happened, and I don't mean to say anything other than a statement. There have only been two prayer meetings in my life where there were more men in the prayer meeting than women. I looked over, and there were a ton of women. I mean, you couldn't even get in. It was deep. But when you look over the western wall where the men are, it's like two and a half times the size. And there are men, more men praying. Of course, they're Jewish, and you have people from all over the world. They call it the Great Pilgrimage. And the men are at the wall praying. And uh, it just you, you look over there, and it is unbelievable. Thousands of men praying. And I sat there, and I was watching. Of course, you know, presence of God was all over me. I'm weeping. And I said, God, thank you for the Jews, what it cost them to keep your word. If you know anything about it, you know, martyred, killed, all kinds of stuff, all the persecution. But I was looking at the men, I said, God. And I remember that scripture, Luke 18, 1. Men everywhere ought to pray. We need a move of God as never before. And I believe that when men pray, I believe Jesus is always going to have his women, right? All you got to do is read that. They're, they're running around after him. They're feeding him. You, you never have a problem with women. And I'm not saying you have a problem with men. Because of all the weight and responsibility and everything on a man and the pressure, I believe that when a man will just pray, something supernatural happens, some kind of favor comes. God knows the price. He knows the weight, the burden of what they carry. And if they will just begin to engage the Spirit of God, I believe that things turn around like crazy. You get a woman praying for her family, that's one thing. You get a man that starts to pray for his family, it turns. The statistics are unbelievable that when you get men first, I think it's 90, it's, it's like a low 90s of the percentage that the family will live for God. You get the wife saved, I think it's something like high 20s. You get the children saved first, it's less than 10%, single digits of the whole family getting saved. But when you get the man saved, and I'm telling you what, I don't care what a religious spirit says. I prophesy, declare, and decree because it's already happened in this place that there will be men everywhere all over this region, that they will have a, a heart after God, they will run after God, that they'll be men of purpose, that they will have a vision from heaven, and that they will sacrifice and do what it takes to pray and begin to seek God because when you have men of God with a heart after God, everything else comes. And you might say, Pastor, you don't know my husband. I don't have to. That's God's son. God created him with a purpose. You just may not know the born-again version yet. 
You may have seen a religious version, but you don't know the born-again version of a man on fire for God. You can't stop a man that's on fire for God. I remember when, you know, I mean, I was just going through so much stuff. I know everybody thinks Pastor Dave was the problem, but apparently nobody thought that. That's how he preaches on Sunday. He paints this picture of me. But anyway, I remember I would go into the living room, and the first time that I recall him on his knees crying out to God, something broke in me. And I was like, I'm not fighting the devil on my own. There's a man praying for me. Now, he told me years later, but his praying is like, God, I want to obey you, but you're going to have to talk to her. She's stubborn. She's tough. She gets something in her head. She goes one direction. Now, these are all great things. Sanctified has actually assisted him in his calling. Because, you know, if I'm after something, I'm going for it. I don't care what is in my way to distract me. I'm like, I don't, I'm focused. And then when I walked in one time, this was like when I was still a little sarcastic. It's the first time I actually saw him reading his Bible. I, I'm, I would ask him every day, and he said, yeah, I read it, and I believe that he did, because he'd talk about it, but I never saw him. I walked into the room, and he read his Bible, and I was like, and I fell on the floor all dramatic. Come on now. Because there's something powerful when you see a man pray or read the word. Because all of a sudden you relax because you realize, I'm not leading this thing. I'm following. Now, sometimes I'm just going to say this. Everybody's in a good mood, so I'm just going to touch it, okay? Just going to go like that, okay? I'm just going to touch it. I have also seen women get saved first, and they pray and pray and pray and fast, and then their husbands come in, and then God tries to raise the man up. Well, apparently I don't even need to talk about it. And all of a sudden, they were more comfortable being the leader. Now, if I was at a women's meeting, I'd say it really strong, but I won't say it so strong. In case some of you men have a bad day, and then you go, well, Pastor Teresa said, I am not loading your gun. Mm -mm. And I sit there, and I look. And I'm like, that controlling, foul, demonic, witchcraft, Jezebel spirit is trying to strangle the seed of God inside that man before you ever even see the man of God because you got to be a control and you got to call the shots. I mean, I love you, but sit down in a prayer chair and say, Jesus, I'm not mad at him for all the time I had to lead, but thank God those days are coming to an end. Instead of pretending you're a man and that you got stronger shoulders than you actually have. And let him become a man of God. It's good preaching, right? You know you're having revival when it comes to your home. Anybody ever come to church and you're fake? Like you know in that parking lot that you got in a fight. Y'all, I got to teach you. In the fight, two blocks away because those guys can tell. We actually do not fight during services. 
or actually, we don't fight. One time I tried to pick a fight with him. He said, I'm not going to talk because you just want to fight. Oh, made me so mad. <laughs> now, I am aware of the w women that I pastor. Some of you just want to fight. You just want a good fight. Who's honest enough to say, yes, Pastor Teresa? <laughs> Eileen, don't do that yet. Wait till after you're married. Sanders like, Pastor, I'm always ready to fight. In the army of God, amen? Right? You just want, sometimes you just want to fight, right? Because it's engaging. There's like passion. It's all exciting. You get to make up later, right? Okay, don't do that on the way to church. Because if God's trying to give them a breakthrough, then you're going to be sitting there judging them and all mad that Jesus touched them and you're all bitter and he hasn't touched you and you go home and you're still mad. We're really trying to find a location for a marriage conference this fall. Amen? Keep praying for us. So that leads me into my other point, and I'll give you scriptures for these, for those of you that are taking notes. But the third thing that this magnificent ministry found out first discipleship was the word of God, prayer, and then relationship. You ought to know the people you go to church with. Well, I know, that's why I wanted to just stay this size. No. Circles, circles, circles. And then you connect at big events and you meet all the circles. We can't be selfish. Why? People are dying and going to hell. They don't even know about Jesus dying on a cross to forgive them of their sins, to save them, to set them free, and that they weren't left alone. My goodness, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it's expedient, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to come and he's going to lead and guide you into all truth. He's going to be your comforter, your counselor, your strengthener, your intercessor, your standby, your helper. So we have the Holy Spirit to help us, and we know in Acts chapter 2, there was a magnificent entrance of the Holy Spirit with power, and the Bible also says that we were given the Holy Spirit to, to have power to be a witness. He comes and gives us boldness. You're more supernatural than you realize. You should just start practicing. But it's relationship. All right, I'm going to give you a clue. You know the people that hide in church? Don't look around, they're not here. <laughs> Sunday morning, no, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Because some of you are like, oh, I thought I faked her out. No, no, I, I know who the hiders are. What are you afraid of being discovered? Because we typically hide from God the Father. What's the first thing Adam and Eve did when they were unsure? They hid. What do we do when we're unsure of something in our life, whether it's a problem, condemnation, a sin issue, we don't know what to do, lack of wisdom, what do we do? We hide. Now, not necessarily behind a bush, but we hide in addictions, we hide in food, we hide in media, social media. You know, you can scroll your life away, right? Like, I would just, like, cry if I got to heaven and I scrolled my life away or I watched reels. Right? Is that what it is? They're like, well, we thought you were cool until you asked, Pastor. Right? You just sit there and you just... Now, every now and then, I watch a couple just to realize it ain't going to be that hard to get these people saved. 
Everything's dumbing down to about 15, 20 seconds. So when you witness to somebody, you got to tell them real quick. And what's good about being on the East Coast, everybody talks fast anyway. Jesus Christ, Son of God, he died on the cross for your sin and rose again from the third day. If you will repent of your sin, you'll be born again, have eternal life. Huh? Oh, you wanted to talk? What are you willing to do to stop being what you are? And it's not that there's anything wrong with you. But you know that there's a man of God in there or a woman of God in there. Now, if you're a man and you think there's a woman of God in there, mm -mm. it's all biological, okay? <laughs> Just keep hitting that. Why? Because you know what? If I was confused, I would hope to God somewhere there was a voice of truth that I could get to that voice and I could get healing, freedom, deliverance, and security in who I was really made to be. That somebody would help me break the lies of the devil off my mind. That somebody would show me how to take the blood of the lamb and apply it to the word of my testimony. And show me that I could overcome, that I'm not a victim of what society says, what my circumstances say, what happened or did not happen to me as a child. But I can be an overcomer. I would hope to God somebody would teach me about the pen of mercy that could rewrite my life. Regardless of what the situation was. But you will always hide and never have relationships, and you will come here. You could even give your tithe. You could even be involved and serve twice a month or whatever it is that appeases your conscience for good works. Because you know works don't save you. I just always have to say that. But if you hide from God the real issues, you will continually hide. The greatest day of your life is when you go, wherever it is, whether you're walking or you're in a prayer room somewhere. See, I, I'm not religious. I think prayer is talking to God, and that can happen anywhere. But until you have the courage to just sit before him and say, you know what, God, there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. I don't even know where it's at anymore. It's a big ball of yarn, so tangled, so messed up. But would you help me? I don't even remember how I got this tangled, but I know that there's an issue. I don't know why I press into you and then I stop. I don't know why I feel your presence and all I want is you, but something prevents me. I don't know why I don't work on the inside, but you know what? I'm just going to stay here and stay in your face, not just for a few moments, but I'll be back here tomorrow. I'm going to then learn how to not break fellowship with you, and we're going to constantly just, I'm going to constantly just be in your face. I tell God that all the time. I don't care if I'm a problem child. In school, when I knew the answer, <laughs> my, my arm would be up so long sometimes because I just always had a, a bright mind. I would hear it. I knew the answer. Well, the teacher has to call on other people, right? So here's what I would do. Because I had to support my arm. I told God, I'm like, I will do that every day. I don't care. You bless somebody else, good. The line's moving, but I'm going to get mine. I'm going to stay in your face. Well, I prayed for somebody and they died. Pray again. What is there, eight and a half billion people on the face of the earth? You can't get it all wrong. You step out, you do something. So my question to you tonight, because several of you have come up and said, Pastor, I am experiencing 
all this stuff. And then I have said to several, what you're actually experiencing is a personal revival where God is fresh again, where you're excited about it. You are, there's, there's, a, there's a newness coming to your walk. Some of you are uh, through Bible college and getting into the word. Some of you are more fervent in prayer, but something happened in the fast. Things begin to break off, even corporately. And there's an anointing, there's a presence, there are miracles that are taking place and happening, which thank God my left hip has not hurt since you prayed for me on Sunday. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the word of knowledge. Amen. But many of us are experiencing a personal revival. What stops us from exploiting that thing just going headlong into it i don't know about you but i don't want to stop right here i want to go deeper into the things of god i want the mom the momentum that is going on to be a movement on the inside and what i can tell you is there is a couple ways that i know how to do that and that is to be a keeper of the flame Paul told Timothy to guard that which was entrusted to you. Do you realize the presence of God is something that you must guard? And, and I believe that you have to guard your, all the gates of your life. You've got to guard your eye gate. You've got to guard your ear gate. You've got to guard your mouth. You've got to guard your body. You have got to guard yourself. But one of the things that I want to stress tonight is I, I told you the basics, and pastors sometimes says they're boring basics, but the boring basics are what maintain the flame. That if you will keep your relationship with God, if you will just keep talking, I'm not saying that, that the angels of God are going to come down and you're going to have in your personal life the kind of worship that we had tonight, but you never know. God inhabits the praise of his people. If you murmur and grumble and complain, the presence of God is not going to be attracted to you. But if you praise him in the midst of it, I'm telling you, he comes. He comes and encourages. He comes and he helps you. But the way that you maintain and the way that you feed and the way that you exploit a personal revival is you've got to be a keeper of the flame. You've got to guard it. That you must be a person of the word. You must be a person of prayer. You must be a person of relationship. Because we know one another in the context of relationship. Because when I fellowship with you, you might have something going on with God in an area that I don't have. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then you encourage me to get into good works. The Bible says to encourage one another, to spur each other on to good works. You have an expression of God that I don't have. It doesn't matter if I am a pastor. I'm like, man, I like the way God moves through you. Here's what I love. The Bible says he's no respecter of persons. So he did it for you, he'll do it for me. So I can say, I like how God moves through you. Like I absolutely love how God uses Jim when new people come. He genuinely is just sitting there talking to them. He's right there with them. But see, I love to watch people and see how God expresses through them. And then you stir me up and, and on, onto good works and the same thing, vice versa. It, it, nobody has it all. God has variety. God moves through you in a specific, in a certain way. But you must be known in the context of relationship. Jesus magnifies it when he talks about his relationship with the Father. Over there in John 14 through 17, some of my favorite portions of scripture. He says, Father, let them see us. You and I are one. Now glorify me so that they will be in me and that you will glorify, give them the glory that you gave me and that they will be in us just as I am in you and you are in me. Let them be in us. It's all about relationship. 
There is a place in the heart of Father God where your orphan spirit can be healed and you can understand that the spirit of adoption has come down upon you, that it has been sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that you can belong, that you're no longer what your father or your mother said about you if it was something negative, but you are what Father God says about you that you're righteous, that you're holy, that you're blameless, that you have a purpose. God uses average, ordinary people, and this should encourage you. Psalm 119, 9 through 16. For those of you that are taking notes, that is uh, the portion where we're talking about the word. If you are still with the word of God, I'm telling you, take seven days and read Psalm uh, 119, because this whole psalm is about how much you love the word. Take you roughly 15 minutes Put it on your Bible app. If you're like me, you got to speed that thing up or I fall asleep. <laughs> and it will, you'll say what the word says. You'll understand the benefit of the word. You'll begin to love the word. Do that for seven days because we're always hungry for what we feed upon. Just a few portions of scripture. How can a young person stay pure? Or an older person? By obeying your word. And we know that this goes over into 1 Peter, that by our acts of obedience, we purify our soul. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commandments. You got to read the word to know what his commandments are. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. That goes into, I will declare and decree a thing and it shall be established. I have recited aloud, uh-oh, one's just Sunday school teachers trying to teach you a memory verse. It's a principle. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. That's a lot. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. Imagine if we loved the word of God as much as we loved our paycheck. I mean, you, even if you're a slacker working full time that's at least 40 hours a week and I don't even know how you get there but you work full time that's a good 45 50 hours a week so love his word I mean a few moments a day you get into his word no one's gonna have to talk you into it you know what I pray for this is a side note the move of God that I believe is right on, the, right on the precipice of it. Where as a pastor, like I can be honest, right? Because if not, I'm going to do the whole forgive sermon. Some of you will get that later. I um, cannot wait for the move of God or as a pastor that this leaves my life. Come on. Just encourage you, get in the word five minutes a day, five minutes. Can you, just, can you just pray, just talk to God five minutes a day? Let's start at five. Can we do that? You can do it. You can do it. Because see, when a real move of God happens, they're running you over. All you people that like your close seats, you're going to have to really know that forgiveness sermon. They're going to be lining up. Oh, this is my church. I've been going here for 15 years. Good. Give your seat up. Just go stand out in the hallway and watch it on the TV and intercede and pray. 
See, because when there's a move of God, you don't have to talk anybody into coming to the house of God. When there's a move of God in their life and in their heart, they're running you over to get to outreach because they want to tell and they want to be taught and they want to learn. See, when there's a real move of God, they want to know how to have a good marriage. They want to know how to get their kids off of dope or how to help their kids be obedient. When there's a real move of God, you don't have to talk and beg anybody into a prayer meeting. You do not have to beg them into coming to church. You don't have to beg them to pray because they're in communion with God. They're so on fire. They're like, get out of my way. They're in love with Jesus. When there's not a move of God, and you're trying to stoke a move of God, and you're trying to prophesy and pray, and in the privacy of your life, you're fasting, and you're praying, you're like, God, we need a move. We need a move that will come against the American modern church that is asleep, that is comfortable, that they just want to put their time in, and they feel okay about it because I went to church on Sunday. In fact, I even made it to prayer. No, 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 no. That is something to appease your conscience, because unless your walk with God is shaking something around you, if it's not even shaking your own life, if it's not making a cause and effect in your own family, with your own spouse, with your own children, what are you doing? At least have the honesty to say, God, I am in need of revival. He's not mad at anybody, but could we stop reducing a move of God to a religious exercise and be the move of God and be revival and be radical and say, Jesus, cause me to be on fire. Set me on fire and let me burn and let the world watch me burn. I refuse to be one of these Christians that have been saved for 40-some years and just, oh, Somebody's asking for why is it that you and pastor, it's like you guys are still new converts because we have always been people that pray, people that are in the word, and people that have relationship, and people that pray, people that are in the word, and people that have relationship, and people that pray, people that are in the word, and people that have relationship. Why? Because we see it in the word that God so wants to move and bring people into relationship with him, and we're not going to do it with a bunch of programs. We will only do it with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. That why are so many here and why have so many come? Because they hear it's a house of deliverance. They hear that it's a place where they can get help. They hear it's a place where you can get out of mental illness, a place where you can begin to learn to win and to begin to, to build a life not on sinking sand. I don't care that the youth of this territory has not yet responded because in my spirit, I saw them already respond. In my spirit in prayer, while I, the Holy Spirit is groaning through me, I have seen a generation of young people that are running and flocking with all their gifts and all their talents because by the time that they're so young, they've already experienced so much of the world because of what's in the palm of their hand with the phone then they realize that they've been lied to. They realize that it was just a big trick because they feel bad about their self. They feel bad about their identity, that they're bound and they're suicidal and they're messed up. And when they see Jesus, and I'm talking about King Jesus in his glory, in his sovereignty, that he is real, that he's a real person, that you can sense him, that you can feel him, that even when you can't feel him, you know he's so real, it doesn't matter. When I'm away from my husband, it does not affect anything. Why? Because I know even in his absence, he's real, and we have relationship, and we have covenant. See, I am guarding what he's doing in me. I am guarding even what he's doing in this corporate body. I'm guarding it as if it's the flame, that Olympic torch, not the one they do today. 
the one that they had to do way back then where they really had to keep the flame burning. Because I know what it is to get the fire burning. I don't care if it's just a few. One thing about fires, one thing about embers, one thing about it that, that you can begin to poke that thing, that the Holy Spirit can breathe on that, and it can be a whole fire that takes place. But you know what? If nobody else wants the fire, I want the fire, and I will guard, and I will maintain the flame, and I will guard that which God has entrusted to me, that I will be on fire for Jesus. I am not content to just have religious experience. I want to see the move of God. I want to see young girls that have had abortions that are so messed up that their bodies can't even reproduce again. I want to see them healed and forgiven and saved and restored. I want to see those that are confused with perversion all of a sudden come and get into alignment with the word of God and to be healed and delivered. I want to see the man who thinks that his life is just to go to work for 50 to 60 hours a week and pay the bills. I want him to see his vision. I want him to see his purpose that heaven had in mind. I want to see a move of God, and I want to see souls come in because time is short. It is getting crazier and crazier. It is getting so lawless that there's even people, politicians that say, churches that preach this way should be thrown into camps and be re-educated. <gasps> Don't be afraid. You get in that camp, you re-educate them. Wherever you go, just say, I'm going to have a prayer meeting. I'm going to have a, a Bible study. Someone said, what are you going to do? They throw you in a prison. I'm like, well, guess I'll have a prison ministry. Wherever you're at, you're a ministry because wherever you go, you are revival. And when you get free and you get an eternal perspective and you begin to align yourself with that eternal perspective, it will shake you. You'll begin to do things differently. You won't go with the status quo. You, will, you can appreciate people and you can love them, but you're like, I got to go up a little higher. I got to go up a little higher. I'm not going to be down here with all the idolatry and where the calf, when I threw the golden, says Aaron, and out came a calf. But I'm at least going to be a Joshua. I'm going to be halfway up the mountain while Moses is up there talking to God. I am going to be in proximity because I'm not content to live a lukewarm, lazy, comfortable, modern American Christian going life and think I'm okay because I'm saved. Besides, I give my 10%. He doesn't want your 10%. My word, it's pavement. He tells you to give it to see if you're even in proximity to obey him. And if you don't even have victory over the tithe of 10%, go sit with him. Father, why don't I trust you? Or here's a good question. Father, why am I greedy with your stuff? Wow. Why am I greedy with your money, God? Why can't I even trust you with 10%? It's in the New Testament. Not that he does this because he's merciful and kind. What if God just did in our life 10% or 2% or oops, I have bills this, paycheck, this paycheck. Here's what I believe about tithing. Don't be condemned if you haven't tithed. They're like, man, pastor, you're preaching so good. This is relationship. I'm pastoring my sheep. I get pastored. Man, I got a, got the big shepherd chief shepherd is what first Peter says and I got apostle and prophet over my life you repent and then you realize 
I need to get on a budget because I don't have a clue how to manage money. A little hit to your pride, but it's okay. Pride always needs to die. If you really want to get out of debt, go listen to somebody radical like Dave Ramsey. He'll have you cutting your cable. You'll be eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But how desperate are you for a change? See, I don't want anything that belongs to God. All the tithe is this. Hey, I want you to get involved. I want to get involved in your money. I want you to trust me. Here's 10%. Wow, the church must need money. I don't do anything with the money around here. You know why? I just want to be free to preach. Oh, well, there's a big giver. I better not say anything. No, I say repent. You and all your zeros behind your name. And if you don't think I've not done that. Because, see, it's not about money. It's about your heart. Does God have your heart? And the way you can tell if God has your heart, check out your checkbook. Anybody ever given so much that they had giver's remorse? You're like, oh, Lord. We do, like, first fruit giving, you know, like you just, first, you're first of everything. At the beginning of the year, we just give it all. And you go. If you haven't done that yet, then keep following him in giving because he likes to sacrifice. But don't be condemned. You repent, you get on a budget, and I tell people, start at 2%. Ask God to be merciful to you while you're working it out to obey his word. Start at 2%. Okay, let's go to 4%. Let's go to 6%. Because I'm more interested in helping you walk in victory and figure it out than for you to act like you're something that you're not. Let's get down there and let's address the problem. But see, this is why people just like to come to church and then leave because this is what relationship does. It disciples you. And then you help them. Stop throwing money away on rent. Start thinking like a landowner. That you own a house. I sit there and I tell all these single women, I'm going to be at your closing. Just tell them I'm your mom. They'll fall for it. They do it with Lisa and I all the time. You don't have to be what society says. This is all you're going to do. This is what your parents did. It's what you're going to do. No, you are one that breaks these things and go beyond. If you will be obedient to God, whatever area it is, maybe you're a liar. It's okay. Every time you lie, go tell the person that you lied to. I bet you only do it once or twice. I had to do that one time when I was like 18 years old. I had to tell Tim Sharp I lied to him. Do you think I've wanted to do that again? Absolutely not. It's time we press into Jesus and let the fire burn. Because when we don't do these things, when we, and hear me, when we justify our disobedience, you're pouring water on the fire. When you justify your disobedience, He's looking for an obedient people. He's not asking much of us. You know what he's asking of us? Just walk with me. He'll clean us up. He'll help us. He meets us right where we're at. But the one thing that he wants us to do is please be honest with him. And be honest with yourself. Let him check your, your temperature. Let him put that thermometer in. Hot, cold, lukewarm. See, I'd rather deal with a lukewarm state here than there. If you're not familiar with the scripture, it says that 
in a nice way, your God vomit. In closing, Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is from the NLT. So, dear NDCC brothers and sisters, I plead with you. See, this is why I don't feel real radical. I plead with you to give your bodies to God. The number one way to put the fire out, we think it's inside out. No, it's always outside in. Outside first is our skin, then our soul, then our spirit. Unless and until you give this flesh to him, you're going to have this light the fire, pour the water on it. Because an act of worship, and you'll see it here in the word, give your bodies to God. Even with all the appetites and all the addictions, he still wants your body. It's still an invitation. Remember, it's never an indictment. When it's an indictment is when you die and you cannot get right. But all of our mess is always an invitation. He says, give me your body. Give me your body that craves whatever it craves. Give me your body. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Because if you're really going to give your body, it's a sacrifice, right? When you're tired, <laughs> you come anyway. And the last thing you want to do because you're cranky and you don't want to bite somebody's head off, but just say, you know what? It's a sacrifice because he sees the sacrifice of praise. He says, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. Verse 2 is key, and this does both the, the word and the prayer. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You know, the world will take the scripture and make millions on books. They'll take a spiritual principle. Positive thinking, positive thinking. The only way we are transformed is by our thoughts. And you begin to run God's thoughts through your head, you're going to change. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Church, I'm telling you, the way that you maintain the flame is you. Lay your life down upon an altar. I don't know what your altar looks for you, looks like in your life. But this is why so many people have been coming to the altar lately. I can't lay your life down for you. I can't pay your price. You cannot pay mine. But it is our choice. I plead with you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, when you're born again and truly saved, you got to trust the word of God to show you how to think. Some of you are experiencing a personal revival. Fan the flame. Some of you, your, your body... He's pouring water on what he's trying to start. Just obey. Whatever he's telling you to do. Some of you have secret sin. Best thing you can do is find somebody that's trustworthy. And just come clean. James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another to be healed. 
Because one thing I know about revival is it's constantly asking forgiveness of sin. It's not just one and done. God, forgive me for that attitude. Forgive me for that sarcasm. Forgive me for thinking ill of my neighbor, God. Just cleanse my heart. It's like a Holy Ghost shower. If you're in here and you're not born again, you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're like, I have no clue what's going on, but I sense God's presence. He sent his son. God loved the world so much that he gave Jesus. Sent Jesus to the earth. And the Bible says that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's that simple to be born again. Why? Because Jesus took our place. He died on a cross. He took the punishment for our sins. He satisfied the wrath of God because the God that saves us is the God we needed saved from. He didn't save you from the devil. He saved you from the holiness of God, from the wrath of God. And Jesus said, I'll take their place. Pour out all that wrath upon me. I'll give my lifeblood to redeem them and to buy them out of sin and give them eternal life. And it got so bad, Jesus never experienced separation from the Father. He screams out in agony. And the Bible says that he didn't even look like the form of a man on that cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God's so holy that when sin was poured out on Jesus, all the stuff you did, all the stuff I did, God is so holy, he turned his back. And he poured his wrath out on his son. Jesus never separated from the Father, tasted sin. He became sin for us so that you and I might be the righteousness of God. Nobody loves you like that. Are you right with Jesus? Are you right with Father God? Are your sins forgiven? If not, come up here and I'm going to help you. I'm going to pray with you. Just come give your life to Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. I want to live for you. Anybody at all. If you feel a little tugging on your heart, you feel a little nervous, that's God saying, come. Make a public stand for Jesus. Give Jesus your life. Give Jesus your life. Maybe you've walked with God and you've backslidden. Your heart is cold. Please don't play games with your soul. Pastor Teresa, can you lose your salvation? No, but you can leave it. My husband and I are in a covenant of marriage. If I wanted to, I could leave him. It'd break his heart. But I could break that relationship if I chose to. That's how it is with God the Father. God's not going to make anybody love him or serve him. He doesn't have robots. By an act of our will, we live for God. Are you right with him? If you're in a backslidden condition, these altars are open. Now I'm going to change the call. One of the things that I speak is, Father, I thank you that hundreds and hundreds are born again in the altars every week at NDCC. You might ask me, why don't you say thousands? Because let's get to hundreds first. Got to start where your faith is.
Maybe you're like, Pastor, God is doing something new in my heart. I feel a freshness. I want to fan that flame. I just want to taste God. I want to know him in a way that I've never known him before, but I don't want to stop. I, I typically stop at this point or I go back or I just grow a little bit and then I'm stagnant for six months. But you're like, God, I need that push to go all the way, all the way. I want to run all the way into you, God. I want to press toward the mark of the high calling. I, I need that, that touch of God. If that's you, just come. Just come. Find a place to pray. You do not need my hands on you. You need God to touch you. Just find a place, a place of surrender. God, deal with me. Deal whatever it is in me that just stops. I want to go all the way in, God. I want to dive headfirst into your presence, into the anointing. Don't let me stay the same, Jesus. Don't let me stay the same, God. Burn, burn in me, burn in me, burn in me, Holy Spirit. Let the fire of God burn in me. God, we must see a demonstration of the Spirit's power if we're going to see this generation come to you, Jesus. Burn in me. Burn in me. Surababareshe kananamande de bedravasatai. Suramande lelelelebe sidiria rosu kuramande de de. Oh, God, we're hungry for you. God, we're thirsty for you. I'm asking, God, even as a corporate body, let us not just run forward three steps and then take a step back. But, God, let us give us the energy to run. God, renew our strength. Let us run for the things of God, the things of the Spirit. Yes, God. I heard the Lord say that some of you are not just going to be January fasters, but you're going to fast. You're going to fast in your life. You're going to fast and you're going to pray. Some of you monthly, some of you bi-monthly, some of you weekly. Yes, we say yes to that fasting anointing. That anointing of fasting that deals with the wineskin. Oh, we want new wine. We want new wine. We want new wine. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, come, come, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Burn, 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 let your fire come. Your Rolololobosana Ramande Suramandele and Dele Suramandele Kia Suramandele Sindelebesende. Is she here? Suramama, can you pray for these? Shunda Ramamandelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebesendelebes
la 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 Breathe. Give them what they need, God. Give them what they need. Give them what they need, Holy Spirit. Oh, give them what they need, Holy Spirit. Healing in bodies, healing in marriages, children, Father God, to come all the way home to you. Let the fire of God, let the anointing of God, let the presence of God. Release your power, God. Release your anointing. Oh, Spirit of God, have your way, have your way, have your way, have your way. Fan the flame, fan the flame, God. Revival, anointing. They're not discouraged, they're not defeated, but they stand strong. Strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Fortify them, strengthen them, enlarge their capacity. Make them worshipers, God. Cause them to prophesy. Let the power of God come upon them. Do a new thing. Do a fresh thing. Let them answer the call. Let them qualify their life. Let them be obedient. Let them say yes. Yes, yes, yes. To every area. Let them give you your yes. Oh, make us a house of prayer. Make us men and women of prayer. Make us men and women of the word. Oh, release faith. Release faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever it is that hinders each and every one of us, come. Come, Holy Spirit, to that thing. Enlarge our capacity. Let the tent pegs be lengthened. God, we want more of you. Higher heights, deeper depths. How deep and wide and high and long is the love of God the purpose of God? First love, Father God. We return to our first love. We say that we're loyal to you. We love you, we love you, we love you. Stir us, Holy Spirit. We hunger for you. We thirst for you. Every generational curse, everything that binds and that causes there to be hindrance, in Jesus' name, loose the people of God. Give dreams and visions, prophetic dreams. Holy Spirit, open their ears that they hear you, that they know, God, that you're speaking to them. Fan the flame, God, where they're discouraged, bring courage, God. 
where they need a breakthrough and a miracle. Thank you, God, that you're a good father and you're working with them and you're working for them. You're not a God that watches us struggle and just sit back and say, I won't help. But God, you're merciful and you're kind and you're good. We ask that you would intervene, God. We hold the line and we stand in faith. And we believe you, God, not only for an outpouring for our lives and our families, God, but for this community, for this city. Father, we worship you. We worship you. Strengthen your people, God. Strengthen their physical bodies. No sickness, no disease, Lord, but our bodies are strengthened for revival. God, bless our money. Let us partner with you, Jesus, to finance the work of God in the earth. And Lord, we know that if we put you first, we're going to have enough because your word says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he shall add these things unto us. God, we shake ourselves loose of comfortable Christianity. And we declare, Father, that we will get comfortable being uncomfortable. That we will give you our yes and we will be obedient unto you. That whatever it is, you'll give us the courage to obey. And every time we obey, our soul is purified. Make us a people of prayer, men and women. Corporately, God. Thank you for what we do privately, but Lord, corporately make us a house of prayer. Both men and women. Lord, we fire our excuses. Father, make us a people of relationship. God, this is a safe house. It's where we learn. It's where we grow. God, that there's a spirit of unity and the bond of peace in this place. We're all for one and one for all. That when one wins, we all rejoice. When one suffers, Father God, we uphold them. God, that we're family. Show us how to model this God to this community. God, that racism can never live here in Jesus' name. We forbid that foul demon. That division cannot come because of the diversity and the differences amongst us. Father, we declare that there is unity in diversity. Let your kingdom come. We ask that you would heal those that are sick among us. Father, that they're made whole in Jesus' name, nothing missing, nothing broken, that every organ, system, tissue, and cell functions, that their body evicts any disease in the name of Jesus, that healing flows. Father, even all the women that are going to attend next week, God, that we cover them in the blood of Jesus, that no sickness can come upon them in Jesus' name, that those traveling mercies, they arrive safe but also hungry, God. Holy Spirit, have your way, have your way. Show us how to guard the fire and to fan the flame. Breathe, Holy Spirit. Encounter these people, Lord. You've got to touch them where they need you to touch them. So come, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you that are courageous enough to obey, I, I heard the Lord say, change it up this week. In other words, do something with him that you've never done before. Step out and try it. I bet you'll have a good story to tell. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. See, all it took was a simple invitation. You never know who is praying for who, and they just need you to say, come.
It really is simple. If the devil has told you revival's hard, it isn't. Love people and reach out to them. It's not hard. It's not hard. So, Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing. God, even in worship, we don't take it for granted. We pause and we honor it and we say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, for the challenging part of the word that came forth, let that word go deep and let it produce in them. Father, those, Lord, that don't have victory in their money, I thank you, God, that you give them grace to work it out with you. Father, one thing I'm asking for this people, God, is that they would be wise stewards, even of the 90%. God, show us how to save, show us how to invest, show us how to get in on those good God deals. Why am I praying this? Because I heard the Lord say tonight that many in this place, some in this place, will finance a move of God. I'm like, well, Lord, take my book and breathe on it. Let the millions read it. It's all his anyway. 10%, it's, it's all his. We're all his. Everything we have, we just steward. So, Father, we thank you and we declare and decree that this building is paid off. We thank you, God. For the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and you add no sorrow to it. Those that need homes, Father, we ask for that. Those that need restoration in their marriage, we ask for that. We ask for the safety of our children. You would protect them. God, that there would be no confusion upon them, even in school. God, all the fiery darts, we just put that shield of faith up and we pray over our children and cover them in the blood. Father, we thank you for a move of God. We're not asking for one. We're living one. We ask that you would help us to steward it and that it would just grow. We bless you, and we thank you for salvation, and we thank you for the family of God, for one another. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.